didn't get to sip my coffee today. Matt Murray gets a W. And he doesn't get hurt. Congrats to Matt Murray. I, I Honestly, my biggest takeaway from last night with the Leafs is a reminder that there are just not that very many good teams in the NHL right now. There really aren't. The Penguins have sort of aged out of this. We have Colby back on today. He always, of course, he wants to protect his boys. I wish the Penguins could be better. Do you know why? Because I was born in the 1980s. And they did the thing yesterday, which is a nightmare for people my age, where they went, can you believe the Penguins have five people born in the 1980s on their hockey team? What an incredible accomplishment. Like, it's like that meme that says, here goes the oldest man in the world, or the oldest athlete in the world. It's like he's 34. That's how I felt last night watching the Penguins. They're just, they're, they're not a Stanley Cup contender. They have Sidney Crosby. They have Genny Malkin. Those are great names. They have Chris Letang. Awesome. Jeff Petrie, good pickup for you. Dixon Flyers. Ryan Paling. Awesome. Guess what? They're not contenders. Not going to happen. What, what trade is going to transform that Penguins team into being a contender? How many teams have you watched this year the Leafs play where you go, oh, there's just that's a different level of hockey team? Even when the Leafs were in the crapper, right? Boy, I almost said the one you can't say. When the Leafs were playing horrifically, the entire conversation was these guys are so much better than these teams. The only group so far, and this includes Boston, that I've seen that looks better than the Leafs so far where I went, eh, I, I really don't think the Leafs could beat them in a seven. I shouldn't even say could but that the Leafs really wouldn't be favored in a seven-game series based on what I saw with the matchups was Vegas, which would require seeing them in a Stanley Cup final. I think that Maple Leaf fans would take that right now. I know everyone wants one before they die, but this is welcome to the salary cap NHL. This is it. The welcome to years of flat salary cap where teams with older stars like the Penguins have aged out of contention. Teams like the Washington Capitals have aged out of contention. Toronto has a game Thursday night against the Devils, right? Big game. The Devils, as uh, has been noted in popular, they're on a nine-game heater. They're doing pretty good, right? The Devils look good. The, the Devils are analytically sound. The Devils pass the eye test. They're young. They're plucky. They're looking like a really solid team. That's going to be a great test for Toronto, finally. But for the most part, this look at the Atlantic Division right now. Look at where the, what the standings are. Like, did Montreal, Montreal lost yesterday, so they didn't stay within tying Toronto in the in the Atlantic. But it's just it's not. This is not a terrifying NHL landscape. Dubas can't afford to be patient with acquiring defensemen or making a trade for a forward or whatever. He can get by with having Eric Schalgren in that. For weeks, because this version of the NHL, this is it. This is the flat cap NHL. We have fully arrived. No teams are special. Colorado, good, very good. Definitely the favorites. Vegas looks great. Awesome run for the Devils. Don't really feel watching a lot of hockey right now that there are a bunch of special teams or that the Leafs are in some way outside of the mix, even with the Bruins. Again, Toronto beat them. They've owned them in the regular season. I actually thought to myself yesterday that it's a little terrifying thinking about the Leafs having the Freaky Friday role reversal with the Sens from the early 2000s 
with the Bruins, where they own them in the regular season, but whenever they get to the playoffs, the Bruins just have that secret sauce and are able to beat the Leafs, clutch up and beat them in game sevens. That Yeah, the Leafs have become the thing that they used to love being, the crappier regular season team that just finds a way in the playoffs. It has the Roberts and the Corsons, and yeah, you know, I'm, you know what I'm getting at here. Either way, I just... I think that the biggest part of this right now for the Leafs shouldn't even be the, are they a good team? Are they a bad team? Because they've clearly been a good team over the last few seasons in the regular season. That's been undeniable. Are they a complete team? No. Are they likely to make moves? I would say absolutely yes, especially given the state of Jake Muzzin and their salary cap situation. But the rest of the NHL just isn't special. And so writing off or trying to decide whether or not the Leafs are contenders or whether they can't actually win or what the urgency should be night in, night out. They're just playing other teams that not special. Uh, James Myrtle, very, very special guy to me. Senior editor at The Athletic. What's up, buddy? How we doing? I am, uh, I'm under the weather, but uh, you convinced me to come on. So if I sound, if I sound a bit like uh, Barry White, that that's why it's my, whatever the death plague that's going around right now is uh, hit my household. So Uh, that's how I'm doing. I'm I'm glad that you know you seem you you sound good like your voice sounds kind of like that's a sexier sounding voice. That's the only <laughs> upside of being sick is that the voice sounds a little bit better. It gets a little bit more baritone. I I'm gonna curse myself here, but everyone I know has been sick in the last month. Like everyone, yeah. the two yeah. young bucks that work on the show who are 21 and 26 years old, 22 and 26. Sorry, Joe boy, I always cheat you a year. You know how young he is? Is that he gets mad when I call him 21 instead of 22? Like he's still that young where he goes. How dare you? It's like, I'm 21 and a half. That's how young he is. Everyone has been sick. These guys were on death's door. Like, they literally couldn't show up to work for weeks. I've just been out here grinding away, getting it done, working two shows. Doesn't matter. Endless hours. Doesn't matter. Not getting sick. I'm not getting taken down. My immune system, like, we're on, we're doing something right now. I should be studied. I should be studied. Uh, what do you think about just, like, I, I was just kind of on a rant about how, listen, I, I'm. this is not a critique of the Leafs. I think that there's been some really positive markers for them. I'm going to get into a few of them with you today. But part of the feeling I get when I'm watching a lot of these games is simply this, is like a lot of teams in the NHL right now are very unspectacular. And I know that they've only played like 20% of their schedule. So we're going to see some other teams. Other groups are going to round into form. But I keep coming away with this really underwhelming feeling watching so many teams in the NHL right now. And I can't help but equate it to this is what happens when you have a flat salary cap for what the third year. Yeah, no, I think you're hundred percent. I mean, just look at a team like Tampa or, I mean, you mentioned Colorado as the class of the league. Look at all the players that they lost, right? Like, you know, they had exactly. to, you know, they, they've got injuries with, I look at Colorado's rosters and I was just like, how are they still getting it done? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're mid Nikushkin hurt, Landis Cog hurt, lost Kadri, uh, lost Kemper. You know, it's, it's not the same Colorado team that, that stomped the league last year. They're still very good, but, and I think that's, and even if they are the best team, I mean, look at, look at the, I mean, look at Vegas, you know, doesn't make the playoffs last year. And then all of a sudden, Oh, now they're the class of the league or, or the Islanders. missing. Yeah. I mean, even New Jersey, uh, you know, I, I think there's a, a ton of parody, maybe more parody than we've seen in a long time in the league right now. And there's an opportunity that, you can just be a good team and win a cup this year, I think, because there aren't that many great teams. There aren't that many teams where you look at them, you're like, yeah, we can't beat them in seven games. And I think that that's, that's interesting, but it's also, it's kind of strange to think, you know, it's, 
even night to night, the games, I'm like you, I'm just surfing around watching the league. Like Buffalo can win any given night. Detroit can win any given night. Ottawa, like some nights looks bad. Some nights looks good. And you can't really take anyone for granted right now. I mean, even the, even teams like Arizona are winning games this year. So there's a lot of parity and, I think that that's the right mindset and the advantage that Leafs potentially have is they're going to have more cap space available at the deadline than a lot of the other quote unquote contenders. And maybe they can add a difference maker. I actually think that the Leafs are in a really good spot. And and I know that I can be, uh, I can vacillate between being overly optimistic and overly pessimistic at times. So I, I take that. Like I, I understand this, but the Leafs, like you mentioned, have cap space to make a move. Should they want to do it? They, I I don't think that their farm system is overly loaded, but they have guys that they can play with if they decide to go that route of moving some younger players. They have their first round pick this year. Um, I think that there are even some younger guys who have gotten cracks on this roster that they would likely be willing to move in the right kind of trade, like the right kind of pieces that go out the door in in other trades. They have continuity on their side. They still have some of the better players in the NHL. And this is the one that I think is being overlooked. Their defense is something that gets criticized often and people go, hey, how is this group going to work in the playoffs and how is this blue line going to operate and can you have Sandine and Lilligren and Riley when you play a heavier team, blah, 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 which is a fair point I think a lot of people make. But who do you think is the Leafs' worst defensive forward? Like how many bad defensive forwards the Leafs have? Because the one thing that's really stuck out to me this year is how committed that group lately anyways, I shouldn't say over the Western road trip, has been to the defensive side of the ice. And the one thing I keep coming back to is with continuity and with decent coaching and with some investment from them defensively, it feels like they can just paper over a lot of any inefficiencies that they have on their roster because they can play a decent defensive game as a team and then counterpunch with their power player with some of their stars and end up winning a bunch of low-scoring games against teams that are pretty middle of the pack. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think the biggest question mark is what happens in goal for them, right? So I think everything, I mean, this is a lot different conversation than the last time I was on with you. <laughs> you know, there was where there was all the, the fire around Sheldon Keefe. I mean, the reality is, is that this team is what they were last year. They were a really good regular season team. They have a good coach. They have a lot of smart hockey players. So, yeah, they can do that. You know, they need to get some saves. and But the fact, like you said, I mean, they can get by with a Shawgren. They can get by with no Muzzin. They can get by with Lilgren missing a big chunk of I mean, like... The, no Brody. The, I thought, know, like, the, Brody was yeah. propping up everything. And they, they made him the fixer of Riley. They made him the fixer of Hall. They remove him. And I was like, uh, I didn't really notice last night. Yeah. Well, I think you're going to notice some games. Sure. I mean, I think that that's that's part of what I see when I look at the blue line. It's like who's going to play against the Crosbys and the the Malkins. And if you get into a playoff series and you're you're up against a Kucherov or a, a Marshawn and, and and Pasternak, like who do you want out there? And Brody's your first answer, but who's your second answer? Right? Like it's the way that Riley's played this year. At, you know, he's he's struggled at times defensively, and I, I don't think he's the guy that you want in that situation. So. You know, if I'm looking to add on the back end, it's going to be someone who brings some of those heavier elements that you're talking about and that who you feel good about playing against other teams' top lines, which which is a big ask, but I think it's something they still need. But overall, I mean, what they want to see, I think they've got the luxury of watching for the next four, six, eight weeks of what they've actually got. What do they actually have in Logan? Like, how good is he? Is he a top four guy? I don't think we know yet. And they have, they have the luxury of watching... The forwards, seeing what happens there, seeing if Yarncroft settles in and plays a little bit better. 
waiting for Bunting to get back to where he was last year, uh, waiting for Engvall to, I, I don't know what's been Do going on with Engvall. Thing. <laughs> it was, when you said, do they have a bad defensive forward? I was like, oh man, Engvall's made like a lot of, a lot of bad plays, but you know, they, they've got the luxury of time right now where they don't have to rush into anything. They can just watch and evaluate what they have. And maybe it'll be like last year where around this time they just started winning a lot of games like they have been lately. They're 5-1-2 and two in their last eight games. Mm-hmm. Maybe they go on a run, and maybe you're feeling a lot better about where you sit when it comes to mid-January. I just, I really like the patient approach right now. And I know that, that it didn't feel patient. It felt very urgent when it was, hey, you might have to remove the coach. And I still think that those takes were 100% valid by everyone that made them because of the state of the start of the season and the pressure that's on this team, frankly. But right now, I just look at them and go, they've got, this is why I want to see them play Robertson more. I'm going, okay, the coach doesn't seem to love him. He doesn't look like a spectacular player right now. He hasn't really popped since his first game. But what do you have to really lose right now by trying to see if you have a skilled winger that can eventually do something? I, I believe that there's a lot more upside there. And I like Holmberg. I actually think that, you know, he played well last night. He gets involved in one of the goals. But I just think you have more to gain by finding out a player that is more on the precipice of, hey, you've got to make a decision here, rather than finding out someone you have, uh, I think, a little bit more time, patience, and and ceiling uh, questions with with that. So if we are going to play the, hey, you can be patient game, you said it, that the biggest question is going to be in net when it comes to the future. Murray gets the W last night. Looks pretty good. Um, didn't get hurt. That was my main takeaway. There were some moments where, you know, McKee and I were joking on Leafs Talk last night about how he's he makes a lot of size saves, as in he's very big, to the point where I almost think if I was an opposing coach, I would ask to check some of his equipment. But is there pressure on Dubas if Murray doesn't work out or hits the IR again, but Samsonov does work out? Like, I, I was thinking about this just from the standpoint of the contract and the risk that they took on. Um, and the fact that Samsonov doesn't have a contract beyond this year, what what do you think the pressure level is for them to actually hit on this goaltender, like Murray? Uh, mm, that's a good question. I mean, I mean, what's the worst case scenario though? Like, so Sam, uh, Samsonov plays amazing and is getting big offers from elsewhere. It's like, well, then you just try and find another Samsonov. Like, I don't think yeah. it's, I don't think it's the end of the world. I mean. Well, you would be carrying the Matt Murray contract over to yes. the next season, or you have to do another Morazic type trade, which I don't think yeah. anyone has the appetite for. But you know, the cap is potentially going to go up, and yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. But you're always going to be allocating, you know, at, at, at minimum six and a half, seven, eight million to your goalies. So mm-hmm. it does open the door where you can just try and find another young Samsonov type goalie that wants to take a one year bet, and you know, and I don't. Yeah. The goaltending situation is always going to be a little bit in flux here, unless like unless both these guys come back and they play for the next six weeks and they're both really good. And uh, the Samsonov thing's interesting because he gets the one-year deal at one point eight. Like either he's going to be not going to play well and you're not going to want him back, or he's going to play really well and you're not going to be able to bring him back. I mean, I, like I don't know what the middle ground scenario is with him. So it feels unlikely that he's going to be back next year just because you've got Murray signed for that second year, but. It's so early, though, and I, I think that it's really important for both those guys to show what they can do over the next two months. And remember last year, like at this time last year, it was like, oh, Jack Campbell's, you know, he ended up playing in the All-Star game. He was so good through this portion of, portion of the schedule. But then you got into February, and it's like, what are we going to do? And all the talk was about goaltending, and the Leafs almost pulled the trigger on a huge trade. 
for a goalie. And so it's just too early to say one way or the other where they're, where they're going to be by February. No, I think that's right. To me, it's just more about, hey, where are we going to stand in the, the risk level of this? Because everyone went, hey, Kyle Dubas staked his reputation on Matt Murray, Matt Murray, Matt Murray. And and I feel like the Samsonov part of this piece has been widely removed. Yeah. And so yeah. I just kind of want to know where we're all standing on, yeah, the idea of Samson, like the, the scenario that you just outlined, if Samsonov does become the guy, right, and Matt Murray becomes an expensive bench piece or a guy that keeps, if Matt Murray gets put back on injured reserve for a long period of time, it, it's going to be really hard for anybody to trust him come playoff time, right? Like, I don't even know if there's a lot that either of these guys could do that Leaf fans are going to feel terrific about their goaltending situation going to the playoffs. They'd have to have just, like, unbelievable years. They'd have to string together, yeah, borderline all-star performances. I just, I can't really tap into that part of it yet. It still feels like, to me, that this is a massive gamble and that Murray needs to work out for the credibility of the GM's sake. Not that his job is riding on it, but I, I do think that this is a big one because the job is riding on playoff performance. It's just going to be tough to look at another goaltender if Matt Murray doesn't work out and not ascribe, you know, other failings or other problems with the roster to that one exact decision. So Yeah, but to go off what you said off the beginning, though, I mean, if, if Murray doesn't work out but Samsonov does, I mean, that was the general manager's handiwork too, right? 100%. So, like, you're not going to be like, you know, Sam Stubb carries them to to success. You're not going to be like, oh, the GM screwed it up because he didn't. I mean, like that's the thing. And I think that the the Leafs, especially when they're not spending a lot in goal, they need to go this tandem route. And there's mm-hmm. so many teams around the league that are doing that. I mean, we talk about parity. I mean, look at the parity in the goaltending. I mean, yeah. it, you're playing Pittsburgh, and Tristan Jari had a monster year last year and won a ton of games. And he's not the guy that's been in the net for a ton of their games lately because he hasn't been playing well. And it's hard to count on a, a goaltender year after year. So I'm okay with the tandem approach. I'm okay with like you go with two guys that have a reasonable chance of being something and hope that one of them succeeds. And that, that very well may be Samsonov. So it's, it's the goaltending is going to be super interesting to watch here over the next little while. Yeah. I, I thought goaltending tandems was going to happen. I don't know, five, six, seven. Well, I think it should ago. have. Yeah. I it, think it, I think it should have. I don't know why it didn't, I, I think it's just like, I don't know. I, I think it's just like habit or something. Cause I think that that's where hockey's going to go is that every team's going to have two or three guys that split the crease. And then yeah. you play the hot hand when like, cause there's just not enough separation now between the best. There's not very many Vasilevskis anymore. And even no. he's not having a great year this year. That's it. Is that, and I think that, you know, probably when I started this talk, I thought this is going to go the way of running backs is it was always the workhorse running back and you wanted to have the lead back and everyone believed this was the most important thing was to have the number one guy and Ladanian Tomlinson, like, oh God, you had to have that. You had to have the Eric Dickerson. And now it has become, no, you have to have the thunder and lightning. You have to have the two guys at, at minimum. So I don't think that's the issue for me. It is more just about the, the, the actual contract of it, the level of risk that they took on taking Matt Murray's deal and not having Ottawa eat more of that money and what it looks like next year if... Yeah, you do hit on a Samsonov and you want to pay him some type of a reasonable contract, but now you can't because you're, you know, you have to pay him the four and a half million dollars and now you don't have the appetite to do that. But you're dead right. Like this is the strongest argument Dubas has. And this is why people couldn't have gotten that upset about Murray during the offseason or why so many people came around to it. It's like, what did you want the other option to be? This is what I keep saying to people when they go, they need to trade for a goaltender this year. I'm like, who is that goaltender? Like, who is that person that you want them to bring in? 
Because you look at the available guys or the potential guys who are going to be available. Think about how many people advocated for John Gibson. Think about how many people advocated for re-signing Jack Campbell. Like, yeah. Kemper, it, I mean, like, there's, yeah, I know, exactly. Kemper's exactly. been decent, though. Uh, Kemper's been all right. It's, yeah, it's yeah. just, it's it's all the commitment to a lot of term and a lot of dollars. Yeah, and, of course it is. Yeah. I'm just saying yeah, that, I mean, that if the they options had Gibson are right now and, and, and he had, you know, at least with Murray... And correct, I don't have it in front of me. I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, but I think mm-hmm. the Murray buyout is not that bad. Like, I think that, I that, that. That's could, a you that, thing. that could potentially be the way that Ottawa did his deals. It's heavily backloaded, so there's mm-hmm. tons of salary at the end of the deal. And in contracts like that, when you buy them out, the cap hit is more favorable because you're you're eating more on, on the buyout, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be, I think it's a, a potential option. You'd have to have some, some dead money on the cap, but you wouldn't be looking at 4.7. Dude, uh, here's the thing. This is your purview. I expect you to tweet that later today. Okay? Like that's, don't be asking <laughs> just, me. Sal- you're James Muggle. You, no you came on my to... show asking me about salary cap stuff. Like, no. You ask me about hot takes. I'll ask you about the cap. That's the dynamic that has to happen here, all right? Yeah. How do you think that's going to go over if I tweet out Matt Murray's bio the day after he wins the <laughs> game against Pittsburgh? Can you imagine what my replies look like if I do yeah. that? Hey, I just say, hey, just add that. It's fine. Who cares about the replies? The replies are mostly just... Just people who are mad about something anyways. You just ended up catching a, a little bit of whatever they're mad about that day. So, um, yeah, what do you do with Robertson, by the way? Kind of getting back to that. Like, if it's you, what do you think is going to end up happening here? I, I I like what you're saying in that, especially now that you've got, like, the breathing room of you've won some games, you've gone on a little stretch. I, I would just sprinkle him through with the lineup, play him with, in different situations, make sure he's getting 9, 10, 11 minutes, every night and and see what you've got, you know, give him at least a month where he's playing a lot. That's it. You know, you look at his production, I think he's got five points in nine games or something like that. That's not bad for a 21 year old guy. You know, there's, there's been some signs of, I remember coming out of like the, the early games of the season. I remember, uh, Bourne was talking about Robertson and how his skating looks a little bit different. He's got a degree of separation. Like he looks better than last year. He looks closer to being an NHL player. He's still so young that he's got, I think the thing, too, that you need to keep in mind is that you don't want to do this all year where he's sitting a lot and he's barely playing. And at some point, if you're not going to use him, you might as well send him to the Marlies and let him play 20 minutes a night and just dominate down there because that's going to be better for his development than than not playing. Yeah, James, this is where I'm at with it is 9, 10, 11 minutes. Sure, whatever. Um, Just 9, 10, 11 games in a row. Let him play the games in a row. He's coming in. He's coming out. Um, This is actually one of the... This is one of, I guess, a worry about a team that's trying to win and develop at the same time is that you get caught midstream with some of it. And I don't know. I actually feel like Robertson, again, finding out what he is is more important than finding out who some of the other players are down the lineup. But if you're Sheldon Keefe and you had people in the media talking about you potentially losing your job a couple of weeks ago, you probably feel less inclined to give a rookie more wiggle room, right? Like there's the pressure of winning now balanced with the pressure of winning later and developing some of these younger guys, which frankly, like Toronto has not done a really good job of. And, and the, the domino that I think is really interesting is, well, this is a two-parter. One is how long do you think Brody is supposed to be out? Because it's very vague and like oblique. The only track record that I have for it this year is the Tavares injury. And he bounced back immediately and looked completely fine and has been the Leafs best player, despite it having it in camp. Um, but when Brody comes back, I, I kind of feel like it's going to be Sandine coming out. And now you have this conversation around two of your younger players. Mm. 
Well, and with Sandine, there's history there too, where like part of the subtext of him not being at camp and the way the contract went was he's not super happy with the way that, you know, the games that he's missed and not playing in the playoffs and, you know, all those kinds of things. So that one would be, I think, trickier than Robertson where, you know, the player's going to be upset about that. But I think you're right. I mean, with the way that he's played and with the way that Ben has played, I mean, it's probably going to have to be some kind of a rotation. Uh, as for the, the Brody injury, I mean, the oblique is one of those ones where like the degree of severity can like be, it can be hugely different, right? So it could be anything from like two weeks to, to four kind of thing. So, um, opens the door a little bit for Sandine to, to improve his performance. But I mean, even if he does play well, I mean, someone's going to have to come out, right? So maybe you do it based on opponent. Maybe it's, maybe it's some kind of a rotation where it's been in Sandine or something like that, but I, that's a good point. But it, that's where the Leafs want to get though, right? Where they've got the depth where you're sitting good players night to night. It's just the question with Robertson is he, he doesn't require waivers to go down. Yep. If you're not using them enough, just, just cycle them back and forth. Like I thought coming into this year that Robertson was going to play, 40, 45 games for the Leafs and 40, 45 games for the Marlies. And that was fine for his age and for where he's at. And it just, it hasn't played out that way yet, but I, I don't think it's a problem if they get there and that's what happens. Like, I don't think he's a quote unquote bust if he goes down and plays a lot with the Marlies right now. No, his career is not going to be decided when he's 21 years old, but, um, and, and your point is a good one of you want to have good players out of your lineup. You want to be a deep hockey team. It was one of the things like, even look how it's paying dividends for them so far this year, having Jordy Ben be able to step in. And, mm-hmm. that, and he's looked fine, right? He came in as the team's seventh defenseman. I just look at the history of this group, and I've made this point many times on Leafs Talk, but they like having one of those physical guys in on their blue line. And you go year over year over year through Dubas's tenure, and they like having the sixth defenseman who has some punch, who goes into a corner and someone has to look over their shoulder a little bit. Labushkin. Yeah, exactly, right? They yeah. covet those kind of guys, and it's hard for me to see a scenario where – down the stretch of the season, they don't prefer a Jamie Ben, or that they don't add on this blue line, and somewhere or another, Rasmus Sandin gets bubbled out. And I don't know, based on, well, let's put it this way, based on the negotiations from this past offseason, I have a hard time believing he's going to be thrilled about the idea of, hey, you're in for one game, hey, you're out for one game, hey, you're in for no. one game, you're out for one game, and hey, actually, now we're going to take a look at Timothy Lilligren on the second power play, and, you know, you're going to lose some of that time. I This just, it feels a little... Like, you want to have good players, you want to have good depth, and I probably sound like a media guy who's creating problems right now, but the idea that you have two players who on who are on the verge of really wanting to have uh, consistency in the NHL with Robertson and Sandine feels like the only kind of players you don't really want bubbling out of your roster or in and out of your roster, they're not in their first year, right? This isn't... Uh, this is yeah. the first year of Sandine. This is the fourth year of Sandine. So I just least counter to that needs to be like play better though, right? Like yeah. if he's oh, playing really, right. really well, then he's not coming out. Yeah, correct, correct. And if you're the Leafs, like the the focus of this year is not making Sandine happy. The focus of this year is winning, yep. and and finally getting over the hump. So if he's unhappy at the end of the year, like you'll deal with that then, right? So for now, you're going to focus on trying to be the best team that you can. Yeah, I think that that's one of the difficult things about this team and talking about them is it's impossible not to look forward because the regular season is so... It's just testing ground for the playoffs, right? And so every conversation you have, you end up stretching out, well, what about a year from now if Sandine's gone and Roberts is gone? What does that mean for cheap <laughs> contracts around the court? It's like that's, what, that's the yeah. state of purgatory with this team. So let's just focus on one thing that's right now. Do you, How long do you stick with these new lines? Because it feels like an inevitability that Keith will eventually go back to Matthews Marner, but... I, I really loved last night 
I I'm on board with. I, I think that Marner makes Tavares so much better, and and I, I'd like to see. There were times. Remember early on, Nylander played so much with Matthews. Like, and they they've got something too, and it's a little bit different of a dynamic than than Marner and Matthews. And I wonder if you can get. I don't know. It, if you can get that back, and and, and Nylander's at a different place in his his career and the way that he plays than he was when he used to play with Matthews regularly, I just wonder if there's something there. And I would experiment with who's on the left side as well. Like I would, like I wonder if you could try like a yarn crock with with Nylander and Matthews, or like just like see try some different combinations. I mean, nobody would have guessed that Dennis Mulgan was going to be the answer on the fourth line with Camp and uh, Zach Aston Reese, but he has been, and I think that. Keith has to go a little bit mad scientist, I think. But I, I, I do really, really like the way that Tavares plays with Marner. I just think that mm-hmm. Marner is able to get him all those looks below the hash marks in the offensive zone where he's deadly. And, you know, we saw it. Uh, we, we, we've seen it a ton when they've played together. So I would give them a stretch together. And I know that Matthews and Marner love to play together. And I know they had the huge year last year. But maybe what makes this team more dangerous and harder to shut down in the playoffs is is splitting up your two biggest weapons and 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 making Nylander and Tavares more than they're going to be when they're playing with each other. Here's the thing: even from an optic standpoint, I think it's a really great thing because those two guys, when they're trying to transition into this like new, hey, you are now a bona fide members of the leadership structure. This is no longer babysitters. This is no longer um, guys above you. You are no longer young by NHL standards. The idea that the two of them would welcome, embrace, and excel in roles apart, I think is just good for the dynamic of the team. It might make the team more dangerous come playoff time, like you just mentioned. It might actually be the higher upside thing. But this is what people have been dying for is, hey, a little bit of sacrifice from your stars, and this is what that is to a degree, but also a different look, being open to a different idea. It's the one thing that, for whatever reason, they have not been open to explore over the past couple of years. And, yeah, I think that part of why I enjoyed it so much was not only was it effective, but it just felt, like, a bit refreshing. Yeah, and so, like, why is it any different than, say, play the hot goaltender? I mean, have two looks to your lineup and, and like, run with this. Like, they've been winning some games that, like you said, they look great last night in Pittsburgh. Just go with this until it doesn't look good anymore. And then you can always go back to what you had and it'll give you part of the problem. I think that, and I think one of the legitimate criticisms of Sheldon Keith is he's stuck with something for so such long stretches of the regular season. Like remember the, remember the Canadian division year, the, the, that year, like they just, they had the same lineup in the same D pairs for huge long stretches of the season. The and Columbus playoff series with the just loading up the top line thing and just the inflexibility of ever moving off of it. Like, yeah, there are those things. But, but you know, I mean, that Canadian division season, they played the same lines in the same D pairs. And then when it wasn't working for stretches against Montreal and they started changing things, the players had never played in those situations. Mm-hmm. Like they had, so I think that if you can have two or three different looks to your lineup and the players feel comfortable that, yeah, we've done this before, we've won games playing like this, like get back to that where you have a comfortability where it's, it's not just Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Nylander and there's no other options if, if things don't work out for you. Like I, I think that over the course of the rest of the year, they should do half the remaining games with, with Matthews and Marner split up and half of them together. However that plays out, I think that's what they should do. I think that's, again, smart. It at least gives you the flexibility of being able to move those guys around. Like, Keith loves throwing the lines in the blender, which is weird because, yeah, you're right. He he has had those seasons where he just wouldn't 
do anything about it. And now it seems like any given night, there's different guys in different spots and he can't keep one group the same. Like that's just been the way it is. But you're right. I think come playoff time, the idea of you not knowing exactly what your opponent is going to throw at you and where the Leafs top forwards are going to be. I just don't understand how that couldn't be an advantage for them. You know, like they have enough reps together, Matthews, Marner, Bunting, especially that you should feel pretty confident what that group's going to put together. The one part of this is like, Matthews just has not been scoring five on five, which also really helps justify this move. Like if you're Sheldon Keefe and those guys are leading the league in five on five points and they're having their regular year, I don't think that he can do this. Do do you have a Matthews theory? Like I know people are pointing to like shooting percentages, but it just, it feels like a little bit more than that to me. I mean, he's not heard. Like there's not, there's not anything like that. There's nothing that's, I don't think that's what it is. No, I, I don't know. He's just out of the rhythm a little bit. And I don't have the data on this, but it seems to me that he's shooting kind of from a little bit further out. Like there's been a lot more on the power play. We've seen him like score goals from the blue line. And it seems like they're trying to move him around a little bit. And he, he talked about like the other team sitting on top of him and, and really kind of playing him almost like a shadow situation. He mm-hmm. he mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. I don't know, but it's it's not the sexiest answer. But if you look... Uh, the shooting percentage, if if he was at his career norm shooting percentage, he would be on pace for 60 goals right now. So the shooting percentage is a really big piece of it, even though to the eye test, it might look like he's not where it feels like he should should be. Mm. Uh, that's that's tough to swallow, though. You're like, if the shooting percentage is normal 60, you're like, hmm, <laughs> maybe he is getting too much criticism. I'm open to thinking that. There just have been way too many games where I just he he does not look fully engaged. Um, a he doesn't look like his normal self, and well, yeah. he's not dominating on the back check the way that we saw last year. Like yeah. he's not or for possession. The yeah, like the possession last year was just like unbelievable for that line. And Matthews drove so much of it, and so many takeaways, and just like like just dominating shifts where the other team couldn't handle that line. And mm-hmm. that's that's to me is what's missing more than the goals because I think the goals the goals are going to come for sure. Yep. Like he's he's going to get fifty if he's healthy. Like there's just no question about it. Maybe he won't get sixty just because you know it's it's hard to do. But where is the the beast two way big? strong centerman. I mean, that's the thing that I think is, is missing a little bit more than the goals. Man, last year we were talking a lot about how he was starting to really weaponize his size. And I I haven't felt that this year as much. Um, and I, and I get that when we start talking about things like feel or this or that, that it, it can be, yeah, a little bit tougher to describe, but yeah, this is, this is not the same guy from a year ago. And I'd be hard pressed to have a lot of people tell me that they feel, uh, differently than that. Okay. Last two things. One, um, Bunting. So he gets, he gets on the score sheet last night. He does the thing he said he needed to do, which was get back into the front of the net. He bangs the one home. That's awesome. He gets the perfect feed from Matthews. He finishes the other. Do you, do you feel like there's actually a significant degree that this guy could change his contract? Again, I know we're doing the long-term forecast thing, but it does feel like a part of it. He hasn't looked like the guy we saw last year. He hasn't been the 60-point pace guy. Um, no. They've tried him down the lineup, and frankly, when they've done that, to me, he's looked pretty invisible at times. Like It seems very clear he doesn't drive a line the way that, uh, if we're going to do the Hyman comparisons, that, that Zach Hyman could when you put him down the lineup. Do you feel even like at this point, given the information that we have about the player, that a really great year or a really good year could in some way like actually significantly impact what type of deal he's going to be looking at from the Leafs? 
Uh, I think the only way that it can be impacted is negatively and that it comes down. I mean, I think that that, the things you're talking about and I mean, if he ends the year where he's got 39 points or something like that, you're not giving him a seven year contract at at doing that anyway. Yeah, I know, but it's just one of those things that's been floated out there. I mean, probably by the the player side, I I don't Uh, know. Um, The only way that that might be interesting is if you get like a really low cap hit, but I think you're right. I mean, I think that, He's going he's gonna to be hard-pressed to duplicate what happened last year. That's probably going to be his career year for, you know, his whole, the rest of his career. Yep. He's not a super young guy. I like the idea of bringing him back, but that's probably going to be one where you're going to wait it out. You're going to see how the season goes. You're going to see how the playoffs go. I, I wouldn't be in any rush to sign him and just keep saying to him, like, we really like you. We really want you to come back. We know you're a local guy. But let, let's see where things land. And it might even be one of those things where they need to go to free agency and just see what other offers are out there for him and see how close you feel comfortable getting. And that might be what it comes down to. I mean, something like that sort of happened with Labushkin where the Leafs really liked him, but mm-hmm. they couldn't get to the number that that camp wanted. And then they went to free agency and they're like, well, maybe he won't get what he thinks he's going to get. And then he did, you know, and then Buffalo, it's four years at 2.75. He's out that might scratch. be that might be that might be the position that uh, I, th- I think he's hurt, isn't he, in Buffalo? Oh, is he okay? But, I just saw that he was scratched, and I thought it was just a. a he's, just a... he's been he's been banged up, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, it could be one of those situations where with Bunting, it's just he's a hard guy to put a number to. So, like, I could see you know you go into that if you try to go into that negotiation right now, like, what are you negotiating around? Like, you you know, his camp's going to say like we had sixty points last year, and at least you're going to say yeah, but who cares? <laughs> that's not really what he is, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, seriously, I I really don't mean to be so harsh, but if I was the Leafs, I would hold extremely firm on a pretty low number, uh, regardless of the term, frankly, and say, yeah, you're from here and you get an opportunity to play with those players. And that's a pretty awesome, uh, that's a pretty awesome treat for you. Uh, you want to be from here. You want to be known. Uh, you want to continue to perform with good players. You want to be competitive. That like, that's the sell. Because to me, I just the idea of locking in those players, even in long-term contracts, especially not knowing like what the future is of Matthews, what the future is of Marner or Nylander, yep. with that concrete uh, knowledge, there's just no way that I'm tying up. Like when I saw, I saw those same, I don't know if I want to call them reports. I don't even remember what they were. It felt like just like Twitter smoke, where it was, hey, Bunting might get a long-term deal soon. I went, what? Like that's lunacy. This is like the very worst time to be negotiating with him. And then you remember what you said. Which is well, that the player well, side about, of things can leak things too. I mean, don't forget, you know, Matthew Nyes is coming and, yeah. and who knows about Robertson. And I mean, like, you don't want to sign Bunting to a six year deal and then James, all of a sudden one of your kids pops. Is, <laughs> I know, but yeah. uh, anyway, it was out there. So that's why we're talking about it. Yeah. So last thing um, did you see Mike Greer's uh, like soliloquy on trading Carlson? <laughs> he wrote, I, I saw a little bit of it. Yeah. Okay. It was a lot, but like, my friend was reading it to me and I went, this is not, this is an article or this is Greer. And he goes, no, this is all Greer. <laughs> it was so long. It's actually kind of astounding. There's a new position. I can't remember who else did this the other day. Um, there was another general manager that talked publicly about trading their player and was very open to the idea of them improving their value. I can't, oh, I think it was uh, Rutherford in Vancouver where they were talking about Bo, Bo Horvat, where he said, hey, it's a win-win for us. He plays great. Um, he plays good for our team, and if he if isn't for our team, we're going to end up having more value in trading him. Um, I like this new transparency from GMs, not pretending like 
uh, were crazy for entertaining the idea of bad teams trading good players. But do you think that there could be, with that cap space and what the Leafs are doing, a scenario that Carlson makes sense for the Leafs? Let's get a little, mm. let's get a little buzzy. Come on, James. Why not? Why not, James? Because there's four years left, and the what's what's yeah. his, his deal's eleven point five, I think. Uh-huh. Like he's got one of the biggest cap hits in the league. Yeah, so but you don't think the Sharks you, are eating some of that? They're eating some. No, they are. But yeah. I mean, I I mean, they would have to eat half for you to think about it. And the other thing, like, look at Get how many half. seasons, how many seasons has Carlson played more than. 58 games the last four years. Well, that's I'm why pretty, I, Mike Greer's going to the media and doing an hour on why yeah. you should trade for him. Like, well, I think he should, good. but, yeah. but, but I, I don't think Carlson's played 60 games in like a long time. So you're not, even if you're getting him at a half mm-hmm. and even though he looked really great and he's been fantastic for my hockey pool this year and <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. I, he's still a good player, but you got four more years at a big number. And for a guy who's had so many injuries and who doesn't play a full season and uh-huh. he's also, he's not exactly what the least need, right? Like what we're talking about is a really good player. Well, I think that they need on the back end, they need the guy that can, that can bring some physicality and, sure. and and bring some strength. And, you know, Carlson is fantastic player, but they, they have, you know, Riley is, is the Leafs Carlson that, that mm-hmm. they like, they have that guy. So mm-hmm. I'd be looking at someone like in Columbus, I'd be the vulture circling there at like Gavrikov and not a, not a sexy name like Carlson, but that's a guy that you can play in your top pair and who just shuts it down and who gave the Leafs fits when they played Columbus in that, that playoff series. That's that. And, and has a really low cap hit. That would be really interesting to me. Yeah. My contention would be uh, like, if I was going to play devil's advocate to this is that you can get the heavier guy for cheaper, just like they did with Labushkin last year where you go, okay, you, you went out and got somebody and you can do that. I think pretty not, I don't want to see easily. I don't want to diminish it because some teams go crazy, right? And they end up way, way, way Schrott. overpaying for that guy, right? Exactly. Yeah. So the Sherratt trade is the one that comes to mind where it's like a first-round pick went out the door for renting Ben Sherratt. It's wild. <laughs> it's wild looking back on that. So, yeah, you might end up in a competitive market. But generally speaking, that comes at a lower cost. And if we're saying that this year is an all-in season to a certain degree and you feel like, you know what, it's a flat cap, we're as talented as anybody. This is our best shot to win. Maybe we don't worry about the final two years of the Carlson contract. If they eat a bunch of it, we just worry about this year and the next, the two years that we have guaranteed with Austin Matthews. And we try to optimize our roster by getting the best player available. Also, I wouldn't be uh, the most adverse to them, potentially. This Now we're into crazy like me only fanboards when in the early 2000s <laughs> talk, but I wouldn't be adverse to them already shopping Morgan Riley and saying, yep, we thought he was the guy, but guess what? He's not. So we're bringing in Carlson and we're shipping him out and uh, mm. send us an offer. Just saying. That's, I, not, that's not happening. I know so. it's not. I know it's not, but I like to believe at least uh, in possibilities. Uh, James Myrtle, thanks for playing Hurt today. Uh, I appreciate it. You gutted it out. Just like uh, apparently... Labushkin has played in 11 of his 16 games, but he wasn't hurt, apparently, uh, for that last one. He was scratched. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I just know he's been he's been fighting something. So Yeah. That Again, this is I according to my guy, Joe. very well for them yeah. anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? This is the thing with free agency. <laughs> what contracts look great? It's the, this is not, that's not what free agency is for, especially in a flat cap era. Uh, James, thanks again for making time today, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. See you, pal. Uh, senior editor at The Athletic. James Myrtle, always fun getting to do those. Much more composed fella than I am. Quick break. We'll come to the other side. 
I, I said it yesterday, Joe. You better have been listening to the show because you didn't come in. I told you you didn't have to. You told to. me not to come yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I didn't yeah, show up. <laughs> I know. Uh, but you better have been listening to the show because I've, I've got a thing about fishy lines now where mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm believing in the data. Okay. I believe in Vegas is essentially my new move for betting in the NFL season. If something feels like I'm way too right, I'm probably wrong. Is I'm willing to accept <laughs> that I am not as smart as Vegas, and especially right now. So I hope that you identified a, a tricky line or one that you felt was fishy, one that you felt like you could admit to yourself. Um, I'm not as good as Vegas. So we'll do uh, your fishy line and then how we're feeling heading into uh I think a pretty decent Thursday nighter tomorrow. It's not bad. It has potential to be really entertaining. Yeah, Austin's on the Austin's like we need this game. <laughs> Austin, the Titans fan, the Titans is fan. ready. I love how on when you uh, go to DraftKings, by the way, that when you click on it, it shows you like when the game is. It's like starts in one day. You're like the countdown is on, Austin. All right, well, it starts in one day. <laughs> Anyways, that's next. Sportsnet 590, the fan. My buddy Colby Armstrong. He's uh, doing his tour of duty, father duties. We'll see if he's feeling as that high as he was last week. Um, Jobo, mm-hmm. we're starting with Austin today. This is his team, all right? Yep. This is your team, Austin. Uh, I, I got to tell you, my chalk brain is completely flummoxed by this because... I was out on the Packers. I was ready to be like, the Packers are dead. The players hate his guts or hate Aaron Rodgers' guts. The Aaron Rodgers hates the coach. Lambeau doesn't mean anything anymore. <laughs> I was fully extreme. Man, I hope Dan Shulman didn't hear any of this because he'll never do the show again based on the way that I'm talking about his Packers. But the Titans are the, uh, the, Titans are the toughest team for me to bet on because as much as I like them, as much as I just respect Vrabel, like they played the Chiefs in Arrowhead down to the final quarter with Malik Willis back there, a man who paid his agent to film him as he gave a homeless guy some money. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah, allegedly. It was a real alleged. Random, very <laughs> random Malik Willis. That really boosted his draft spot. Titans, you got to wonder about that video for the rest of your life as he throws no passes. Certainly wasn't the film. Uh, Titans are 6-3, and three, though. Like, they're going on the road. It's a short week. They're a physical team. They're banged up. How many starters were you missing this week? Five? Seven? Five for sure confirmed. It could be as many as 10 defensive starters out, though. It could be 10 defensive starters out for this game. It could be. Yeah, 10 are listed on the injury report currently. Five for sure confirmed out. And Jeffrey Simmons is what? Jeffrey Simmons is not playing. It's He's confirmed not playing. Not playing. A- ankle injury. And yeah. Bud Dupree is also hip injury. Yeah. Bud Dupree's always hurt. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. That was, a, that was your classic. You shouldn't have signed that guy guy. Great pressure <laughs> like rate. Who, great pressure rate. Sure. Great pressure rate. All two games he played. And like the <laughs> guy that is across from TJ Watt is probably never the guy you should pay. Like this is, this is the uh, Mike Commissaric rule is don't pay the guy that is playing next to a great player a huge amount of money. With inflated stats. A little yeah. Bit. Uh, anyway. I really want to bet the Titans here. I really do. But Tannehill was limited this week physically. And now it's a short week. 
I'm nervous. But you can run on the Packers, though. Like the, uh, this is so hard. How do you feel? Give me, give me the, give me the feel, man. Come on, don't, I, don't be too much of a fan. Tell me the truth. No, no, I'll tell you the truth, JD. I'm uh, I think your best availability, and Josiah can speak to this. Your best ability is availability sometimes, and the Titans have oh, no one available, even with the offensive line. Yeah. Ben Jones is missing for the Titans. PFF and ESPN have the Titans as the worst ranked offensive line coming into this yeah, week with the one. players they have playing. So yeah. I don't like Derrick Henry's chances to run. I like the Packers minus three. Think Ooh. at home, Rodgers is back, baby. They just beat the Cowboys. Mojo's back. Christian Walken streaking down the field. Vertical threat. Whole new element to the Packers offense. I kind of, I actually see them blowing out the Titans in this one. Blowing out the Titans. Just you, they, they have no one. There's no one playing. That team cannot score <sighs> the ball. If the game gets over 17 points, the Titans are in a lot of trouble. I'm gonna be so pissed off if you guys drag me back into betting <laughs> the Packers when I was finally out. This is literally Godfather. I did just what I think I'm out. You pull me back in. I was out. I was out on the Packers. After getting slaughtered by Packers bets all year long. Here I am hearing from the Titans fan, but and you're generally an optimistic Titans fan. Hey, no, I'd say I'm more of a pessimistic Titans really? fan. Cause you, oh, uh, that's like, wild because you went to the Titans bills game and you wore your hoodie and then you were like, people are harassing me here. I went, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I got into a fight with a guy behind you. Yeah. I love my, uh, I Some love little my kid Tennessee like Titans. Was harassing you. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Oh. People in Buffalo, <laughs> very kind. Matt Marchese's cousin. He's a bit of a bully, but we'll leave it at that. I thought you said he saved you. No, Marchese saved me. Matt Marchese's cousin was bullying me. Oh. What a what a jerk. Well, Screw I, that mean, guy. You know, I, I may or may not have said some things to oh, incur so some wrath. The instigator. Oh, wow. I'm shocked by Austin that. Austin instigator. Yeah, Austin the instigator. So are we all in the Packers? We're all just back? Yeah. This game back. is Green Bay written all over The pack it. is back. That's what yeah. we're saying. By the way, we're doubting Vrabel, and this is going to cost yeah. us all. Yeah. This is all going to yeah. cost us dearly. We're like, Vrabel can't win, and he's going, yeah. This is the coach who said that he would, you know, sacrifice things. <laughs> I don't know how to say it on the air. I got in trouble yeah. with something I said last week. So I say, he said he would pay the ultimate sacrifice to win a Super Bowl, and I believe him. Honest to God, I truly believe him, and I think his players believe him, and that's why they just show up the way that they do. I just... They grind out results. The only three teams they've lost to have six more, six yeah. or more wins. Here's the one thing I would say. I, I don't think that... I think the Packers are going to win. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. But then you look at the Titans too. It's like they're six and three, but they've got more points against than points for. Mm-hmm. They only score around 18 points. A and week. they are three and one at home. Not big, big difference. Three and two on the road. Who have they beat on the road this year? Do you know off the top of your head? Texans off the top of my head. Uh, they beat the Colts too in Indy. And I cannot remember the other one. Sorry. They beat, they beat the commanders. Ooh. Yep. Darn it. Sorry. No, but I just, yeah, you beat the Colts on the road, you beat the Commanders on the road, and you beat the Texans on the road. By 17 to 10, you beat the Texans. With Derrick Henry. That one was Derrick Henry game. One score beating the Colts and one score beating the Commanders. Here's what I would say. The safer play is the Packers here just because you, you kind of unequivocally know it's not going to be a blowout in Tennessee's direction. So that's the way I think we play this sucker. Anyways, let's take a break. Let's come back. Let's talk to the arm dog, Colby Armstrong. Next. Austin's gone full Hollywood. The guy forgets to tell me to do the time for action read because he gets on air and now he forgets Colby's intro song. 
this is why he just he, he, fame goes to people's heads. It's just a, it's sad but true. It's sad but true. Um, Colby Armstrong, the guy from Chicklets, etc. Man who, uh, you know, what was it? Forty points in forty-six games. That's yeah, forty-seven that, games. Forty-seven games. You should have lied. You could you could have lied. You could have been like one of those games that was really out. Um, well, there was that one game I almost had a Gordy Howe. Hey, did you oh, hear about that? I just now. <laughs> oh, almost had a goal, almost had an assist, oh. almost had a fight. Oh, yeah, almost. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And today, you know, you just texted me that you you made the rounds again. So now are you just addicted to being, you know, super dad? Like, is you're just chasing that high? You're chasing the dragon for the rest of the month? Well, it was hard getting up this morning, bud. Uh-oh. It was hard yeah. after the game last night. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. Here in Pittsburgh, I don't know what they're thinking. People are going, what's going on with yeah. the Penguins? So yeah. I think everyone's kind of dragging their butts around town and their lips, you know, got the got the pouty lip going. <laughs> yeah, it's tough because they are definitely, the Penguins fans are in that spot, right, where you couldn't just let Malkin and uh, Latang walk, right, and then and say, what were you supposed to say to Sidney Crosby then, right? Hey, thanks for the cups and being a, a generational talent but we're, we're done winning here. Like then what you're going to trade Sidney Crosby. This is just what sucks. And I was mentioning this off the top of the show. Like this is the flat cap era where you can just age out of being a contender and there's really not too much you can do about it. I'm watching that Penguins team last night and I felt bad watching them because everybody wants, like, I think that if you're a Canadian fan, especially um, you root for the Penguins. Like, you just do. You you hope that they do well enough. At first, you hated them when it was Sid the Kid. You know, the, your teams, they hated. You know, everybody hated your teams. But then <laughs> yeah. when you left, everyone was really stoked on the Penguins. <laughs> After the golden goal, everybody was stoked on the Penguins. And seeing this is just, it's I, I it's done, man. Like, it's, it's not going to happen. Like, they're not winning. Like, that's not going down. I don't know what the path for them would be. Well... For me, looking at it, I don't think it was bad to get those guys back. Like, I don't think I think like Gino's been their best player lately. 100%. And his line, his he line, killed the Leafs in the first been game. The best, yeah, and he's you know he's 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 been good out of the gates this year. Like he's he can he can rack up points, no question. But like it's just his play has been really good, and yeah. and his line with Jason Zucker and Raquel have been really good. Sid's line is like flat line completely, which yeah. is really weird because they're they're usually going but I, I i mean it's easy to say like age with this team for sure just because but also like if you watch them play like i'm sorry like just because you're you know 35 years old and you can't pick up a defensive zone switch off and like check up on guys and check mm. and you're not organized like there's there's a bigger issue there just like i look at the penguins right now with the with their play and i'm like who it's like Zoolander. Remember when he was like doing introspective thinking and he was like, who are you? Yeah. You know, he was, yeah. he was looking at him here. It's like, yeah. that's what I think about. That's exactly, that's how crazy I am. That's what I think about when I think about the pens right that's now. Fine. Just with no their play. I'm like, who are you? Yeah. Cause it's even when they beat the Leafs the last time, it was like, who are you? Like mm-hmm. first period. Awesome. Second period. Who are you? Third period. What was that? You know, shut the Leafs down to four shots. And then, like, it's just every game, what are you going to get? What do they look like? What are they doing? What mistake will they make in puck management, decision-making, uh, you know, struggling to understand uh, aggressiveness and checking and, and what what gap to be in kind of, like, just a second too late and un- unsure. 
So, you know, it started a few weeks ago. It started when they went out in the Western Canadian road trip and they haven't been able to get the wheels back on this, this, you know, this car right now. And it's, it's wobbling all over the place. So they're scuffling big time right now. Yeah. It hurt my feelings during the, the sports net broadcast or sorry. I think the other guys had last night, but during the broadcast last night, they go, they've got five guys on the team who were born in the 1980s. Wow. And I went, shut up. Shut up, idiots. <laughs> the, greatest, uh, the greatest generation. It, it's, it's really good. Uh, it's a really good generation. Yeah. It is a lot of sweet, sweet people that were born in that time. But it just hurt my oh. feelings the way they said it. Like, can you believe this accomplishment that these guys are all there pulling this off together, these bag of bones crew that they're just able to still. <laughs> yeah, these like, 80s yeah, babies. Like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, shut up. Everybody shut up. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's going to be. Like, yeah. are they are they the oldest team in the league? I think they are, right? Like, out of average? Well, I, the way the that the broadcast said it about having five guys born in the 80s made me go. That'll, that's probably that'll get the average up. I was going to say that I don't feel like there's a lot of teams with five guys born in the eighties. Yeah. Austin just said it's the penguins and capitals. Like I said, the teams that aged out the teams that <laughs> the, the old dudes, they went, yeah, we have to just keep rolling over contracts because we, yeah, we got to keep this together. You're right. It's, I, I don't know what else the penguins are supposed to do. I don't think I'm being critical of them, but this is sort of what I think happens a bit when you're a team built around elite players and they set the tone for your entire organization. It just must be tough watching kind of like, yes, yeah, it lose a bit of a step and yeah, Malkin looks phenomenal. Like he just looks like Malkin on a lot of yeah. different shifts, but yeah, it, it, to me, it actually has been at least in these two games that I've watched the Leafs and the Penguins. It, it, I'm used to watching Crosby every single shift just go, oh, my God, this is terrifying. Oh, my God, this is terrifying. He's in the offensive zone. He's impossible to get the puck off of. I don't know how much of it is a line mate thing, whatever. Um, It might just be a funk. He got that beautiful pass from Rasmus Sandin right to him. That was nice. He went, thank you for this, Rasmus. Like, that was sweet. Uh, That's one for the score sheet. But outside of that, it's just this is the first time where I've really watched Sid and gone, I didn't really notice him too much tonight. And that's weird. Yeah. Yeah, even in the and even the game in Toronto a week ago, it was like or a few days ago, it was it was kind of the same. So yeah, the line just isn't clicking, and it's weird because like their game is their game is big time on like offensive zone puck possession and like cycling and having guys on your hip yep. and and you know Gensel as well is like a smaller player, but like he's real shifty and crafty and spins off guys and gets in hard areas can make those little plays and uh, you know they get like in the offensive zone when they're rolling it's like they they start buzzing off of those cycle plays and those mm-hmm. little pop plays to an opportunity to a puck retrieval to another couple passes and they they just start swarming and swirling and they can't even pass through the neutral zone right now it's mm-hmm. like in the skates it's all over the place with them and rust so there's just like a an off look i don't know what it is with the chemistry with them because it's hard to <clears throat> hard to go like does it just disappear like that like what happens excuse me, what happens to, you know, a line like this that, that, you know, has been so dominant for so long. And like Mm -hmm. Russ wasn't even on the line to start the year. It was Mm -hmm. Raquel up there. And then due to some injuries and some scuffling play with some of the other, they, they flip-flopped Russ and Raquel and then Gino's line took off and, and Sid's line started to scuffle. So yeah, it's been, I mean, it's been, I think frustrating, I think for the coaching staff, for the players, I think for the fans, um, you know, watching just, just because usually by this time in a season, at least in the last 
you know, I guess we could say like 10 years, which is hilarious, but you know what the Penguins are. Yep. And just right now, I just think, you know, it's like, who are you is, is still left on the table because it's just been that kind of a start for them. Well, yeah, they're two, six and two in their last 10 and now they're below 500. Well, their, uh, their power, their power play too, in their last eight games, the yeah. first eight games, it was great. They had like eight goals and now they have two goals in their last eight games and they can't even, I mean, last night they had a couple power plays out of their three, their last the one two were good. like, they generated some chances and probably should have scored a couple times. We're unable to, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going at 9%, 9% power Oof. play. You got Sid, Gino, Latang, Rust, Mal, uh, like Malkin, like how, do, how does that happen? So that the, the, the special teams are starting to get their power, their penalty kill going a little bit better, mm-hmm. but like the power play has not positively impacted a game. Let's just say like, I always look at it and the Leafs, I think have this luxury as well, just because of the firepower they have and the players they have. It's like, Oh, you can play like junk or you can have an off game and score two power play goals and like somehow win three, two, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it can, it can buy you a lot of leash just by having a good power play. And I've seen the Penguins do that in years past where the power play is just like, that wasn't a great game, but they scored two power play goals and won or got a point in overtime and, you know, saved themselves. So it's, it's something that's just, it's not positively impacting them at all. In fact, it's probably negatively impacting them more than anything in the last several games. No, man, that was, again, they wore those beautiful sweaters last night. That was the highlight of the game. And then, yeah, Sid gets a cookie from Sandy. That was great. There was like no fans. There was no juice in the arena. Like, no, there was wh- like no fans. What's there up was with weird. That? Yeah. That, for a Leafs game know. too. Has it been well, we like had, that this year? We have um, we have big construction here for anyone that from Toronto that wants to come down and catch games. I saw a bunch of Leaf fans here last night, but it's only like a five hour drive. Yeah, nice easy drive, and so we have like a lot of construction going on. They're building like a, a huge, like it's like where the old Mellon Arena is. It's going to be like a huge area with mm. the, you know condos and restaurants and and Sweet. businesses and a new new uh area to do like concerts and stuff so it's going to be awesome but right now it's so compacted i think i don't know if the traffic kind of scares people away they're doing a pretty good job at funneling people in but yeah it was just a really light night last night for you know having austin matthews mitch marner Tavares, nylander in town uh you know matt murray uh gets his first start in pittsburgh as well since you know leaving here uh, who played, you know, I think he played really good. I think Matt played really good, gave him a good chance. Like when he had to, when he had to get flopping, he did. He's usually not like a massive flopper. Like he's more of like a, a, a blocker kind of goaltender, uh-huh. but he made some incredible, like, like scrambling saves at times uh, to keep pucks out in dangerous situations. But uh, yeah, it was, it was light crowd. It was for sure. That's the first thing I noticed. I'm like, Oh, maybe, maybe it's just traffic or maybe it's something, but no, oh, it was dude. Just, it was bad. They shot up like when the cameras were showing the the 100 levels, especially you're like, oh, my God, there's nobody here. And it was just especially weird because, yeah, the Leafs fans travel so well that just about every single arena that, you know, you watch. Oh, them man, play. usually it's a gong show, too. That's yeah, I mean. like with Leaf fans, it's usually like I we do our post game Penguins post game show, like yeah. right on the concourse in the one. And section. they're yelling. Oh, and it's insane. It's like borderline, like yeah. it's borderline. Like I'm like, this is embarrassing. Yeah, They're just yelling up. at me. Like, hey! Well, I love I'm it too like, that you do God. that. And then it's just the only guys that are doing that are whoever drank eight beers at the game, you know, and they're going, oh, I'm yeah. getting my money's yeah. worth. I drank, Buddy, you know, a hundred dollars. I had, a, worth I had of beer. 
There was someone there with an old number nine Armstrong Leafs jersey. I think Ooh. I was the last guy to wear nine before they actually went from honoring to retiring, and yeah. I got to wear my old junior number when I switched. It nice. I had this old jinxy curse, but it was yeah, it's a nice looking. It's a real it hockey is. number, it is. isn't it's it? It's a really nice number because you're not. It's kind of like you get a lot of the juice of nineteen without being a showboat about it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, like let's think of all the greats that ever yeah. worn it. You know, it's nice to be linked with those guys. So <laughs> yeah, in the in the blue and white too. Like that's yeah, I know. Yeah, that's legit. I you know what I'm telling you though. If I was gonna have one of your if I was gonna have one of your sweaters, I'd want Thrashers 100. percent Like no Thrashers, the red one with the 20 on the front. No question. Like so bad. Nope, dude. Actually, you know what? That's kind of funny. Since you want I, powder blue. Mm, damn, they're both so good. I, I, the, the powder blue is what I had in my mind. With but Atlanta then you, down the arm. Oh, that's so <laughs> sick, <laughs> I, man! I, I got so embarrassed. Uh, like not too long ago, I was at a bar and I saw a guy wearing, uh, I think it was a Kovalchuk Thrashers, and I was just bombed. And I just did the classic, go up to him because I'm a sports guy, and I'm like, that's a sick, <laughs> yeah. that's a sick jersey, man. And he just looked at me like, ew. And I went, oh, you're not even giving me like the acknowledgement. You know, it just, it was tough. It was tough. I hated it. it Can you imagine you were so bombed? You probably no, had sucked. a dart behind your yeah, ear. Like you're ready just... to wheel out of there. Yeah, <laughs> no, I was like, was yeah, out of your moment. Head. Like, you know, fist pump. And it's like, no, nothing, man, nothing. Just this guy was young and he probably didn't even know who the dude was. It just, he just, he was it's like, I don't even know what you're, he looked at me like he didn't know what I was talking about. Yeah. Or like he was like, I'm not even wearing this sweater. It sucked. And I just walked away. Oh, like, you uh, should have jerseyed him and just started yeah. throttling him. Yeah. <laughs> Show me yeah. some respect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just immediately. Yeah. That'd be good. That'd be good. Uh, you know what? Actually, that probably would have been good for my career. Now that I think about it, it'd be like bar fight yeah. punches out guy in Kovalchuk jerseys. Like, he's like, <laughs> I was like, you didn't respect me. That Barfights.com. Number yeah. one till for the uh, day. So I was going to say, you though just because we're here i, I want to ask you a couple other things i want to touch on murray and i got a tavares thing for you but um speaking of like that empty arena last night do you remember good games in atlanta like do you remember games where there's like real <laughs> energy in the building like they must have stuck out like did you have a time where you went oh my god i can't believe we got fans for this like did they have some weird promotion where you got to get like a free car wash and a bunch of people no. showed up uh, you know what i remember like the most when we played you know like an original six team usually I would be driving to the game in Atlanta and I'd, I'd be like passing cars full of people in like Bruins or Rangers yeah. or Detroit Red Wings yeah. jerseys, like just piling in. And like the traffic's pretty heavy there getting into downtown and it just like cars upon cars with their fans. And then you get there and come out for warm ups, and there's like, you know, 20 fans in our end watching us warm up and like the other end zone for warm ups <laughs> is just completely the whole bowl yeah. is rammed on their side. It's like Gretzky's in town or something. Yeah. And, but it was just a, cause it's such a transplant like city, right? Yeah. Like people go there to work and then they still love their team. So when they came to town, uh, especially those ones with the big fan bases, it, it was nuts. Like, for example, like I remember my buddy surprised me for my birthday, which is coming up by the way, yeah. I'm going to turn 40 right away. But my, my wife like helped plan like for a couple of my buddies to come down for like a surprise mm-hmm. birthday visit, hangout, guys trip. And I'm in warm up skating around and like there's my buddy, just like the only guy standing on the glass. Like he like waves <laughs> at me. I'm like, Oh, hey, what's up, man? I could see him like perfectly. Like it wasn't yeah. even hard to like pick him out. He was no. just like standing there. I'm like, Oh, 
My buddy Rusty's here. Sweet. Uh, What's up, Rusty? He can just talk to you during the game. Like, you can hear everything he's saying. <laughs> yeah. You're like, skate, skate. Yeah. <laughs> like, All right, he's like, man, hey, Army, what's up, man? Yeah. Like, over the glass. I'm like, hey, how you doing? Yeah. Full-blown conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's hilarious. You don't even really have to yell. It's just the PA system. <laughs> like, if the music's a little too loud, that's the only reason that you have to elevate your voice in any way. He's just right there. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, like during the game, I look up. I'm like, oh, Rusty's over there in the yeah. suite area. Sweet. I can nice. just see where he's going. You can <laughs> yeah, completely yeah, track him. him when you're on the bench. Like, what's <laughs> yeah. he going to get? Oh, is he getting a pretzel? <laughs> oh, look at Rusty. He's enjoying himself. This yeah. is great. And I'm like giving him, I'm like, Rusty, go over there. Yeah. There's a great buffet in that yeah. lounge over there. <laughs> yeah, pointing. You're pointing. You're pointing from the bench. <laughs> I can see this him totally fine. I love that. So you said it, though. Matt Murray played pretty well. Um he makes a lot of, mm-hmm. I was, man, I, so I watched the game with McKee last night. Uh, we did Leafs talk after and we were dying. We were laughing because it just, his, his equipment is so big. Like he's a skinny guy. Oh, he, I, I know, know he's tall, but it's just, how, I don't understand how that's uh, like up to code. He's upper body. Like, like, you know him, he, like you've seen him. He's yeah. like really skinny. That's what I mean. He's I just really, picture he's him. tall. Inside that equipment. body equipment is huge. Man, it's massive. I was joking about how, uh, do you remember when Ron Wilson called out the Spezza stick and we found out that Spezza was like, you know, had the illegal curve? Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't remember okay, that. Okay, that That's happened. Great. And I was joking yesterday too about it because I thought now that we know Spezza cares so much about his sticks, it was kind of like he knew, <laughs> you know, it was very much, he was in on the, the cheat move, you know? He, he didn't oh, yeah. have, he wasn't like, what? <laughs> you know, it's like this, he, that guy, every clip you ever get of Spezza, like every Sean McKenzie Spezza story was like, and this guy loves screwing around with his sticks. And you're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. The first first thing I ever remembered of Spezza yeah. was at the Prospects game. I don't know if I've told this story really before, but oh, like just it. seeing him for the first time was like so cool because you only heard about him, like exceptional status and this guy's name somehow traveled around. This is like free internet. Yeah, this so is like pre-internet. Yeah, so early, you yeah. saw it on yeah, probably like Coach's Corner or something. Yeah, yeah you'd he did. Hear his name. Grapes, Grapes was obsessed. And then, with him. <clears throat> and then, and then you got like you know the hockey news, and there'd be like a junior section, it'd be like a you know one piece spread out of them where you'd see it. And you're like, oh, that's the guy. So he came to the prospects game to Calgary my draft year, mm-hmm. and uh, I was watching him, and he had like his old wood stick, and he was like. Spez was like working on his stick for like an hour before the game. It was crazy. Like the work he put in, he was like rasping, you know, like one of those wood rasps where it like just scrapes off a little bit of wood. Mm-hmm. He was like rasping his like the butt end of his like knob down. So it was like really skinny. And I was like, Oh, that's so interesting. Cause I just took my stick and I like just taped it up. And he was like such an artist with his stick. It was crazy to see. He was definitely like a, like a woodworking legend back in the day with those old wood sticks. He had it going on pretty good. He'd yeah. take a lot of time on it, but I was watching him like, there he is. There's the guy from TV and the hockey news. Holy God, that's the guy everyone talking about. There he is working on his stick. I love that. Cool to see him in real life. Yeah, there he is, the guy from the hockey news. That's what we all say yeah. still to this day. hey man you know what's crazy though like michael bunting only has three goals this year it's kind of crazy hey yeah well it's not good game for him yesterday but like it's it's just crazy to see who he plays with where he is and like the kind of game he has and the complimentary player he kind of is like you think he'd just be chipping around around the net like with with a few oh sorry four goals he has four goals he'd be getting chipping in with like more goals you know so he talked about it yesterday at practice before the game or at the pregame skate, sorry, about how he needed to get back in front of the net. He takes a beating yeah. in front of their man. Like, you know, yeah. 
he's not he's not a huge guy. Like no. and he just every game he gets mauled. And now he last year I'll, I'll say this and respectfully He's a diver, okay? Like, he's an embellisher in a big-time way. And last year, he was, like, leading the <laughs> league in penalties. And the refs probably, during the offseason, they got together and went, look at how many plays we called for this guy where he embellished in front of the net. And now this year, it's like he can't buy a call. So I do wonder if there was a little part of him the last little bit where when he said that, it was just he's tired of just getting a beating there and not getting rewarded with goals or with penalties. Yeah. And so last night he kind of went back and did his own thing. So that was nice to see. Um, but, yeah, that, that was big for him. But the guy, the guy I wanted to really talk to you about was Tavares because he had a yeah. little extra pep in the step last night. And, you know, he, he was in that – division for a long time you know like there have been some penguins islanders games and i know there was always the the little bit of hey you're not sid between him and the penguins and i kind of wondered last night during the intermission right during the first intermission Tavares is talking to the media he's talking to the reporter about the goal right and he mentioned yeah. sid twice and it wasn't like and then sid didn't do this but he mentioned him twice he's like and then i noticed Sid, and i went and i kind of wondered if he turned it up a notch last night because Sid was there too. And like, that's a guy that he wants the validation from. He wants the respect from and like, yeah, that that well, tomorrow's think, game was for Sid. Like he dedicated yeah, it like to I, him. I think like, <clears throat> like high end guys, like the challenge of playing against other high end guys. Like, I just think that that's mm -hmm. something they want to compare their game to like rising the challenge of playing against them, matching up against them you know, outplaying them, outworking them, you know, outshining them. And I think, I think that always, I think that kind of drives guys like forever. How long have we seen? Like, when was it last year? Like, Oh my God, Connor McDavid with a four point night. And then like the next night, it's like Austin Matthews, five mm. points. <laughs> yeah, like, back like, it's when like Matthews superstars, yeah. you know? It, it, and, and it's like, I think, God, I think they like to, you know, put, put the pressure on themselves to rise up in, in, in those kinds of situations versus each other in a, in a even far away way too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think Tavares's game is not like a super flashy game. I think he's just like a rock steady, consistent, strong player and good in his areas and small areas and traffic and battles, but uh total mix up hiccup on, on the goal that he got, you know, how long, how, I mean, last few years, how many times and how many teams do the high guy? And this is like a complete, like Petrie either has to go out to him or Sid has a guy down low and then he has to check off and try to get all the way out to, it was a complete cluster, but I mean, Tavares, perfect spot, ripped it in, been consistent the whole this net. year. He must have, like we were he had the whole net. He, he looked at that and he went, I can't believe that's the whole net. <laughs> that's that would have hit night. that would have hit Murray's like that would have hit Murray's yeah, like peck because it's, <laughs> it's upper body equipment so big it would just like hit him. Yeah, do you remember when there's that picture of Darren Pang getting in Ben Bishop's equipment and it's just <laughs> oh like the funniest God. picture ever? It's like I want to see Panger next. In Pang should just do a series of every year he takes a picture in the the biggest goalies like the biggest equipment and Matt Murray would never say win like that. Like, like I want to see Panger in his chest protector. You know, like let's see that thing go over Pang's whole body. <laughs> you know, like it look like Dana Carvey doing yeah. that turtle character. <laughs> yeah, it's so big I can't get over it. Every time I'm out there, I'm going. That's a really skinny guy under there. Like that's a really well, it was skinny crazy. Guy. Like, like the first equipment. time I ever really saw that was <clears throat> I remember playing against like the Sabres and mm -hmm. you know 
Ryan Miller, and he's like yeah. a he's like a taller guy, not super tall. Like Murray's yeah. like much taller than yeah, him, Murray's but like, like six, he's really six, skinny. Eh? Yeah, he's really tall, but like um, you know, Miller's like a pretty big guy, but like in mm-hmm. his equipment, I remember he looked so big, and then I saw him like off the ice one time. I'm like, oh my god, that's him! Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's so like he yeah. looks so big in his equipment. He's so skinny. I was just like, holy good, not like he looks like there's nothing to shoot at with him in there, and then I see him off the ice. Dude. Like how 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 am I this bad at shooting? No, that's, that's, no, that's what's so funny about Matt Murray. That's what's so hilarious about the equipment is that you look at him and you're like, that must be a big fat guy under there. <laughs> it's like, yeah. no, man, he's tiny little rail. Like somehow, yeah. somehow that's allowed. That's just that's the the way it is. I listen. I don't even want to talk about it anymore because I feel like I'm somebody might be listening to this and they're like, why don't we check on the size of that guy's equipment? And then I'm going to be a pariah. I get checked all the time. Yeah, that, I mean, his has to be because there's no way that he ever <laughs> stepped out on the ice and one coach with half a brain was like, check. <laughs> like, you know? I got to say, though, that probably felt really good for him last Hell night yeah, coming into Pittsburgh. To, I mean, Didn't get hurt. battling through another injury, like nothing, like he's had a tough last few years, right? And, you know, he hasn't been back and started a game in Pittsburgh uh, since leaving. So for him, I, I imagine, you know, coming in, like the cool thing about Pittsburgh and the thing I noticed even being back here when I first quit playing and came back, it's like from when I was here, it's like all the same people like still work here, even at the old Mellon Arena, they're all at the new arena. And it's like just seeing like all the familiar faces. And I, I, I heard in some of his comments after the pregame skate, like just seeing all the same people. It was like nice to see. So I'm sure it felt really good for him to be back and have a good performance and get a win and be back in the net again. So, I I mean, he was a big part of teams here, you know, in Stanley cups and, um, you know, big part of a lot of success that was here. So I'm sure it felt really good for a guy like him to come back and bounce back from another injury and, and, and get the start and get the win against his old team in their barn. Hell yeah. Um, these last two games, teach you anything about the Leafs? Like, do you feel any differently about them? Has there been anything no. that you've come away from? Yeah, okay. I just want to check. No, like, I think... I don't know. I I think it's just like... Like, when you look at the Leafs, like, tell me this still, because I said this to myself. I'm like, do you see a team that's going to win in the playoffs? Here's the thing I was saying today. I kind of feel like this that's year, what I keep yes. Going to. But this year, or Maybe yes. I'm jumping fast a lot of it but but just everybody sucks man like there's no good teams like everybody I know like sucks. this is the year to be this is the year I mean Boston yeah. right you They're can look fine. at Boston Boston's but this right. is like a strange year where like some teams have quieted down and yeah. everyone's kind of like leveled out a bit it's like what's going to happen this year this is a this is a year that's that that may be you know a, a great setup for some teams to like see what they can do or how healthy they can stay or if it all falls together, like always, but you're right. I think, I think this year it's just like, Oh man, this is like a flat lined year where there's a lot of teams that are like the same. Okay. So I, I think that I'm hoping this is, this is an early take. This is the first time I'm giving you this take. Let's hear this. I'm hoping that this year is like throw it back to 2003 NHL trade deadline day where it's just sexy and that teams are going, we don't care. We're spending stuff. Because all the loser teams should be thinking, we want to get to the top of the draft. We want to be in the Bedard sweet sticks, and everybody's too decent, and it's just too flat. 
it's just this is why the cap sucks so much. But trying to figure out ways to either like eat salary or get super creative and teams like really start to bid up yeah. and that the good teams find creative ways with eating cap, knowing that maybe it's going to go up in a year from now or whatever, that they're going to be willing to tank for a little bit longer because it is so flat and there is so many just so unspectacular teams. And I'm hoping that we get like, like are we going to see like a lot of like Kucherov's like, oh, I are until playoffs. Uh, I hope I hope so because t- dude I'm telling you right now this is this has been this has just a f- been a flat out boring season like watching games from around the league I I there's there's f- two fun teams like there's two like the Devils are fun right yeah like the, the Devils, Devils are, are the fun team and that's oh, cool. Jack Hughes' comment the other day. Yeah, but that's... Oh, my God. I loved it with the, like, uh, he's like, uh, we're on a nine-game heater. Yeah. Uh, 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 he did yeah. that, like, little laugh at the end. Dude, <laughs> the the Golden Knights are fun. The Devils yep. are fun. Everybody else looks flat, sucks. The Sabres were fun. They kind of started falling off. Man, the Kraken are already, like... The Kraken are doing good, you know? Like, yep. everybody's yep. flat. There's no bad team. Like, I, I don't know, man. I just, I, I want to have a sport where it feels like some teams are special, some teams are built right, not just everybody got a couple of good guys and then the rest of their roster is filled with, like, the million-dollar dudes. Like, I just, the, the NHL needs a lift somehow this year. Like, they need some kind of a boost, and I think that maybe that comes, hopefully that comes at trade deadline and teams get a little creative, teams get a little we hungry. We need the return uh, we need the return of the lunatics yes. in hockey like yes. the reckless abandoned players 100%. like you know the the guys that are you know we saw the Jano fight with Reeves the other night we're seeing some more of this start Something. to uptick a little like are we coming back with the with the crazy guys let's yes. go Something, we need please. It. Something. Something, something, something. But yeah, I want uh I want those crazy trades like the one I always think of is the Keith Chuck was that was like a wild one because it was like uh it was like they traded him uh to the Thrashers, if you remember, for like yep. a first yep. and a third round pick and a second round pick. And it was like, Whoa, Keith oh, Chuck's yeah. an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year, like and he's pretty he's getting long in the tooth. They were like, we don't care. We're going for it. I want those kind yeah, of trades. Yeah, they went for it. Then they're like, give us, uh, <laughs> give us Alexei Zidnik for yeah. Braden Coburn. <laughs> yeah, it's like it was. They're like, Braden Coburn's nineteen. Like, yeah. what do you mean? He's yeah. like a high draft pick, like prospect. Oh no, Who we're cares? going for it. Then they, yeah. then they got swept in the first round by the Rangers. Yep. the first time and only time they ever made the playoffs. Yep, but they went for it. You know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I think that some teams got to go for it this year. That's what I'm hoping for. Go for it, year. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I think that's what the Pens need to do, too. I think you just got to... Because you know what? Like, yeah. what do you want it to have happen? I like, don't know. The thing is, is like, what do you want to have happen? You want to win, and then you want to suck. Then you yeah. want to suck, and then you want to draft, and then you got and then you got to build towards it again. Everyone's got to do it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like some teams get away with it with holding on for a few more years after, and like, oh, how did they do this? Oh, my God, they lost so many guys. and They won, and like Chicago, you know? But yeah. now look at them. No, I, I I get it. I it's just, just a Pittsburgh. matter of time. It's just how long can you just push it and like, you know? I just don't, I just don't know if they going. can. I don't know if they can keep pushing it because when I'm ju- I'm just looking at the four teams at the very top of the metro and it's Devils, Islanders, Hurricanes, Rangers. Like, who are you going to yeah. jump over? I don't I don't know if I see that for Pittsburgh this year. Something like drastic would need to change. Uh, yo, buddy, this was always fun. 
Um, I hope that you had a good dad high today. I hope that you're feeling like, you're, oh. you know, you get a little bit more awake. You feel Buddy. a little bit better. We got a lot of texts, got a lot of reviews, like good stuff from dad high. A lot of dads really like that. Really appreciate oh, it. Oh yeah. God, give the dad some love out there. Everyone's just hoodies, trying to get nice it done. Hoodies. Look, we don't know what the hell we're doing, but we're yeah. doing it. And yeah. like, if we do anything kind of good, we're so proud. Yeah. We're so you proud. Be, dad high. You should be Uh Colby Armstrong. Thanks for making time, buddy. I appreciate it. All right. Keep kicking butt all you dads out there. Thanks yeah. buddy. See you. Nice little pump up right at the end. That classic from that guy. Uh, forgot to do at the other side, because again, Austin, the diva, the Mike Kraken diva. It's time for action brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19 plus must be in Ontario. Please play responsibly. The gang is rolling with the Packers this week. That seems to be the consensus. I reserve the right to change my mind tomorrow, especially when we do our prop parlays. That was time for action brought to you by DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19 plus, must be in Ontario. Please play responsibly. Quick break, and then what we missed with Jobo. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Winter just came, huh? Very quickly. Yeah. So I was on the patio <laughs> last week. Legit. I had a jacket on and there was a heat lamp, but it was nice. And I never, and I was drinking ice cold Bud Lights. Like I was not drinking hot toddies, okay? <laughs> like I was having ye old regular, you yeah. know, go to. It was that kind of night. Like I want to drink a million or something. <laughs> and yeah. that was that time. And now all of a sudden, uh, so I keep, uh, I keep my windows open in my place like all the time, you know. I just I like fresh air, you know. Yeah. I'm a fresh, I'm a big fresh air guy. That's so what I. I say. Yeah, fresh air. And then like yesterday morning when I woke up, it was <laughs> miserable, <laughs> miserable time. I I did the like it, the chatter, you know, the holy crap. I I can't get out of bed because it's too cold. Yeah, someone's got to come to the apartment. Close all the windows, let it heat up for a little while, and then and we then. will discuss <laughs> me leaving this bed. Anyway, um, be safe out there. Drive slow. It was like 18 degrees, like a week I and a half ago. That's what I'm saying. This I was is, outside in a t-shirt. This is this this is this is a war from the weather. Like yeah. this is an assault. Ease people in. This was <laughs> no easing. This was no. no ease. This was aggressive. This, Very. This is war. This is war. War with the weather. Yeah. Anyways, what did we miss? Well, the Blue Jays are getting active. Rymel yeah. Tapia and Bradley Zimmer designated for assignment. They're bringing up some Goodbye. prospects. Guys like Addison Barger, Spencer Horowitz, or yeah. Elvis Martinez, uh, Yasver Zalueta added to the 40-man roster. And uh, John Morosi had some tweets, and he talked on MLB Network yesterday about what they could do with Oscar Hernandez and some other potential moves yeah, that they Jays, could be doing. the Jays are doing things. They're doing they're, things. They're in the news cycle. Hit it is Teoscar Hernandez, who I think Ooh. is one of the best trade candidates out there this offseason. Harold, I agree. I'm it's a little surprising, but bear with me. He is entering the final year of his contract before free agency, so the Jays have some decisions to make. They also have what we would agree is a very right-handed dominant lineup, and they were exposed against Luis Castillo in the playoffs where they just didn't have enough different looking at bats, especially from the left side. So with Hernandez entering free agency after this season and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. as well, there is a belief that one of the two could be moved to either bring in a pitcher or get a bit more left-handed or both. 
So he goes on to say that the Seattle Mariners would be interested in that. And he tweeted out that they've discussed a possible Teo for Chris Flexen trade. Yeah, I'd rather die. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> um, no. Please, God, no. Uh, and now this Chris Flexen trade can't happen because of the strong position that I've taken on this. And, like, I just can't. But, man, this guy was in Korea, like, yeah. a couple of years ago. Not to say guys haven't come from there, but... To me, Chris Flexen is the kind of guy where the numbers are not, like, he's a fourth starter on a good team. Mm -hmm. Like, do you guys have big Chris Flexen memories from the playoffs? Oh, wait. (laughs) I guess they only played two games. But even still, it just, this is not the take. This is not the guy. This is not the one. I hope that's, uh, like, this has to be what Seattle would be offering. Mm -hmm. I know Teo's only on one-year deal. But there is no way you could convince me that the Blue Jays are better off having Flexen than Teoscar Hernandez next year if they want to win. Yeah. Like, there's just no way. He, Morosi did also tweet out no that they've... No way. Dis- they've- Wait a second. Make sure it's a real account. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I'm is looking it at, real? I'm looking at it right now. Is it real? It, it is real. And so Teo's traded. He's not traded. They've discussed... No, Austin just got in my ear. Austin. Austin got in your ear. Sorry. So Jeff Passon, six minutes ago, uh, breaking all-star outfielder Teoscar Te- Hernandez has been traded to the Seattle Mariners from the Toronto Blue Jays. Sources familiar with the deal tell ESPN that is a verified Jeff Passon account as well. Please, God, no. Oh, my goodness. Uh, no, no word on the return yet. I will keep my eye open, and I will try to get that to you. <laughs> Unbelievable. What? I, not, now it just popped up for me, too. It happened. I was making sure the Morosi account was real. Passing snuck up on me. It's the real passing account. It is the real passing account. Teoscar Hernandez traded to the Seattle Mariners. I got to tell you, this is kind of heartbreaking. Um, this is my initial reaction without seeing what's returning. Um, I'm a little nervous about it being flexing, especially given that Morosi is a man in the know, and I don't think that he would have just thrown that name out there without... Ugh, without any type of, God, this is the worst. Uh, having to do this <laughs> stuff live where you can't collect. It is fun, but it's also the worst. Um, Teo, this is, this is my Teo take. It has been for a while. The, the defense from time to time would just infuriate you. Like he would just have some brain dead moments in the field that I really think prevented him from being loved on a different level. I'm really not sure what a contract for Teoscar Hernandez would have looked like that made sense, but it always felt like he was the guy that might end up getting pushed out here because one Guriel has just a little bit more control and is cheaper. Two is I think if you move George Springer out of center field ever to like give him the extra rest or try to take off a little bit of wear and tear whatever, it was always to right field and to DH. Like, you can't just have him be the, the regular everyday DH. So I do think that there is there, there will come an eventual time where Springer has to take that spot. So you've already allocated the money there. I never thought that... Uh, unfortunately, I never thought that Tay Oscar was going to end up getting a long-term deal with the Blue Jays. That being said, he is one of the best trades of the Shapiro-Atkins era. They got him from Houston... For a song. I think it was Liriano, right? Like, it really was an awesome trade. A power hitter who came here and 
refined his approach at the plate, got sent down and became an awesome story for the Blue Jays. Like a genuinely fun guy to watch, just exuberant personality, joyful power. That's the way I'm always going to remember Teoscar Hernandez as a Blue Jay. I get it where they were at in terms of them being under the gun to not just let him walk in a free agency for nothing. I get it from the standpoint of it's a way to reconfigure your roster a little bit, as it even says in that clip, to get a little less right-handed, to get a little less all or nothing at the plate. But before seeing what's coming back in this trade, I will say that if it is just Chris Flexen, I think he took a step back for this season. Um, Morosi also did tweet out that Seattle was prepared to trade Jesse Winker as well in the offseason. Yeah. So if it's Flexen and Winker, does that make it better for you personally? I just, man, I need, baseball is something where I do need more, like you do need more time to think about it. But mm-hmm. Jesse Winker, again, like I'm pretty familiar with the Mariners. Like he was an all-star in 2021 mm-hmm. and a guy that OPS, I believe, under 700 last year. Mm-hmm. He, had a, he had a weird year for sure. So... Yeah, like, is he a player that is a buy low, could end up being decent candidate? Sure. Um, Bats left, too. Yeah, no, that's the... I just... I'm Ultimately, what I am a believer in is, yes, balance is important, but ultimately, if you're trying to win, you should try to have as many plus war dangerous mm-hmm. players as you can. And let's not forget why the Blue Jays looked like they had a chance to win against the Mariners this year. Mm-hmm. It was the bat of Teoscar Hernandez. Mm-hmm. On several Austin, occasions. you have the stuff? Okay, sorry, I just... So, it's just it's just hard for me to envision. I hate doing this right now because I don't know what's coming <laughs> back. This is so stupid. Like I, I keep refreshing past I know, but I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you right now that my gut feeling is I'm going to really miss Teoscar Hernandez. That's all I can tell you right now. Mm-hmm. That I think that there were times where he was an underappreciated player in the city that I think that it was the defense that held him back. It also happened to be like the players that he coincided with, right? He had really fun, incredible seasons across from... The Jays bringing up Vladdy and Bo and you getting to see them. He came up and across the pandemic season where they're playing in Buffalo and we're watching games without any fans. And Dunedin. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah, he he was one of the more enjoyable Blue Jays success stories, in my opinion, of at least the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, really, really cool story of a guy they traded for, they identified, they grabbed from the Astros. By the way, how it's just that's the other part of this is how good the Astros are that they've <laughs> lost guys like Musgrove. And, and I know the Jays had Musgrove first, but like they lost Teos Hernandez. They, and they're just like, we're World Series champs. No, with, with a bullet. We don't even think about it. They just spawned in Jeremy Pena out of but, nowhere. But yeah, I just, I had, I had a lot of time for Teos Hernandez. And. Yeah, I think that this is a real, boy, this is a real difficult one to swallow because I can appreciate how this is the right time, the right move. It is some asset management here. It is a way of, again, changing the complexion of your roster to not be so one-dimensional. I don't want to say one-dimensional, but but yeah, a little bit more predictable at the plate. Mm -hmm. It's a guy who is occupying a spot that you'd like to be able to to put George Springer someday, as I mentioned. 
or even just have more flexibility. Like with the DH, he's not a guy that you ever trusted defensively. That's important to this team. That's one of the things that they wanted moving forward. It was going to be really, really, really difficult to give him a contract, but trading him to the team that just beat you in the postseason <laughs> is Sting, a little icky. A little bit. Like they watched that game and went, you know, Teo would be sweet to have. <laughs> yeah. Like you think about the top of their order right now too. It's pretty, it's pretty spooky. It's pretty scary. It's weird to see two teams that are like competing for that same position of next tier competitor, right? Mm -hmm. Because the Astros are going to be the favorite going into the next year again in the American league. That's just the way that it is. The Yankees, who knows what happens with judge, but it's hard to envision them losing him still and them taking a step back. Yeah. You'd imagine that a healthier season, hopefully from the Rays, is going to put them in a bit of a better position. Like they're still a team that you don't anticipate is going to take a big step back. It's just weird. It's just, it's, it's just strange. It's just strange to think about moving off of a guy with that type of talent when you're trying to win. And again, I really do think like this guy, this is one of those things. This is, this is one of those things with tail. This is a classic. You don't know what you got till it's gone scenario here. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he never really felt properly. I know that this always kind of sounds like a bit of a, a sports radio thing where you go, he wasn't properly appreciated. It's like people love Teos Hernandez. Okay. Like I get it. He got a pop. He was appreciated. He was loved, but he was like a, you know, for, for what he brought this team and for what his story was, it never felt like he was embraced quite like other sluggers have been. I think a lot of people kind of always felt like the, the floor was going to fall out below Teoscar Hernandez, but like, yeah, he got down ballot MVP votes in two of his seasons with the blue Jays. He finished 11th and he finished 19th. Like one is that 2020 year, right? Where it's only 50 games or whatever it was. How many games was it? I can't even remember, but 60 games. Yeah. It wasn't 50. But yeah, made the all-star game in 2021. And a guy who across his tenure with the Blue Jays had an 823 OPS. Two-time silver slugger. Mm-hmm. And he hit 130 bombs here. Anyways, uh, we'll break it down a little bit more tomorrow once we have the full details of what exactly happened here today. Uh, but yeah. What a I way really, to end the show. <laughs> yeah, no, just kind of depressing. That's uh, a nuke. Also kind of fun to wonder about what the possibility of this could be, but yeah. You um, hope it's not just not Chris Flex and like not just him. I, I don't think I don't think it will be. I'm yeah. guessing that here's my guess is that relief pitching will come back and maybe like it's gonna be things that the team needs. And I just don't think that you pay a Teoscar Hernandez for a Chris Flexen. Not mm-hmm. alone. I, I'm guessing that it'll be help like it'll it'll be from that Mariners have a loaded bullpen don't forget that like mm-hmm. they have a lot of they have a lot of arms maybe it's someone from there maybe that makes it a little bit better I don't know it's just tough to think about how they're gonna end up getting immediately better from this uh we'll see you tomorrow